0: Best Book Bits Podcast brings you John Jance, author of seven great books, speaker, marketing consultant who specializes in assisting small business. John, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Michael. No problem. Now, for my audience who don't know who you are, uh, take us back to growing up in Kansas City and the education (laughs) at the University of
1: Kansas. Uh, What did you major in? Gosh, you think people want to go back that far? Um, (laughs) So uh, I I actually grew up in, in Kansas um, you know, and a lot of people just give you geography lesson, uh, you know, Kansas City, uh, the city splits two states, Kansas and Missouri. Um, and so uh, a lot of times there's uh, a lot of confusion about where, Can- in fact, it's funny, you, you know, you land on an airplane sometimes and the pilot will say, welcome to Kansas, but the airport's actually in Missouri. So that's kind of scary, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know what sent me down that path, but, uh, um, but then I did, as, as you uh, also said, uh, attended the University of Kansas. And uh, now, uh, about four years ago, my wife and I bought a place out in Colorado. So we live in the, in the mountains uh, of Colorado
0: yeah beautiful beautiful um what did you study back at uh university and what did you just do when you finished uh when you finished university
1: yeah just a very liberal arts uh, uh track um, got out of college with really no no plan uh went to work for uh, um, and i actually worked with my father's uh, sales business for a bit but then went to work for um, an ad agency that uh, did work on kind of a national scale did that for about five years and then literally said hey you know, any dummy can start a business, right? Um, and so uh, that was almost 30 years ago, I started my own uh, marketing consulting practice. And uh, really, it's been the, about the only thing I've really done my my for the most of my career.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And um, you're the uh, author of obviously duct tape marketing and uh, well known for that as well. How did that? How did you come to create
1: that uh, duct tape marketing system? And what is it? Yeah. So it was probably a little backwards. You know, a lot of times people write books and then they develop a practice out of out of uh, those books. But, you know, I I, when I started my own practice, I just I knew I could hustle work. I didn't have any kind of plan. You know, I got whatever came along, big clients, little clients, big projects, little projects. But I got a couple of small business owners as clients and I I really enjoyed working with them. And I, I tell people all the time, I think there's there's something you know, equal parts gratifying and terrifying about doing the work for the person that's actually gonna write the check, you know, uh, based on the results that, that you're getting. Uh, but I also found them kind of uh, frustrating. They were a little hard to work with. They had the same challenges and needs as much larger organizations, but certainly not the same budgets or, or frankly, even attention spans. So, uh, you know, one day I just decided I need to develop a, an approach where I can walk in and say, look, <laughs> here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what you're going to do Here are the results we hope to get. Here's what it costs. Do you want it or not? And I, you know, I quickly learned that in, in trying to solve my great frustration, I actually tapped into what is still today, I think, one of the greatest frustrations with small businesses. In fact, it's gotten even harder, I think, every day for small businesses to buy marketing services. And so I was really tapping into an approach that, that made marketing make sense. I was talking about a marketing system that was going to start with strategy before tactics. You're going to know what it uh, cost. And so that was really the genesis of duct tape marketing. I, As I discovered that people really wanted that uh, approach, I thought, well, I've got to give it a name. I've got to give it more of a brand. Um, I came up with duct tape marketing, quite frankly, on a whim. Um, just It just felt like the right um, metaphor for what it's like to work work in a small business you know it doesn't always have to be pretty it just has to work Um, certainly um, uh, maybe not uh, uh, maybe not as much in uh, other parts of the world but in America there's just a strange fascination with all things duct tape so the name uh, it really resonated I mean I've had people telling me you know, I totally get it. I, you know, that makes sense. Uh, what a great name. Um, so that was actually my business, um, and, and the name of my system. It later became, uh, as, as I practiced as, as I started to write about it, and develop a little bit of a national following, it, it became the name of my first book as well. And, and frankly, just, uh, now kind of is, is the catch all name for, for my brand. It's, you know, my book, my podcast, um, you know, my, my consulting practice, uh, all, you know, I have a network of independent marketing consultants now that license the duct tape marketing system. Uh, So it's really just kind of become the catch all for our brand.
0: Yes. Thank, thanks for explaining. I'll give my audience just a, a bit of a brief on the duct tape marketing uh, book. So in 2007, uh, you published Duct Tape Marketing, the world's most practical small business marketing guide, which outlines your systematic approach to marketing. And uh, I want to jump into sort of what the book is divided into and talk a little bit about what it is. So the book's divided into three parts. Part one is titled mm. The Duct Tape Foundation, The Way to Sticky marketing and deals with the laying of the groundwork for a successful marketing system uh can you expand on that a little bit john
1: yeah so so my approach that that you know still um surprisingly is somewhat innovative is that marketing needs to start with strategy before tactics and a lot of people say that but the confusion is that i mean just google the the term marketing strategy and you will be presented uh, by a a list of lists of marketing tactics Um, and i think that that's you know one of the real challenges but for me what i discovered was that if i could help small businesses identify who actually makes an ideal client for them. And quite frankly, it was a very, it it was asking them to narrow their focus on who they actually work with, to create a a core message that promised to solve their ideal client's greatest uh, problem, um, and then use something that I call the marketing hourglass, which I've written about now for about 15 years, which is really just kind of my definition of the customer journey. So, that that idea of developing uh, that strategy first that says, look, here's who we're going to work with, but here's who we're not going to work with. Here's the message that we're going to communicate so that people understand how we're different (laughs) from everybody else who says they do what uh, we do. And here's how we're going to create use a framework called the Marketing Hourglass to create uh, a customer journey, an end-to-end customer journey that starts with certainly people getting to know you, but it doesn't stop once they become customers. it really actually expands again um, in in the efforts to uh, retain, do more, and and certainly create evangelists. So that approach, that that you know, essentially what I'm calling a marketing strategy, really then allows us, and we'll, we'll jump into part two there. <laughs> you know, really allows us uh, to then go out and pick the right tactics, the right channels, the right platforms where we can communicate that uh, that message. You know, yeah, awesome. One I want to things... unpack
0: one thing that you said, which I think yeah, is sure, super sure. important as a, as a business owner is, it's decide who who you're not going to work with. And by doing that, you actually decide who you're going to work with. And you talk about in the book, sort of the eighty twenty rule as well. And I recently uh, yeah. interviewed uh, Richard Kosh, the, the guy who did the eighty twenty book. Yeah. And if you focus on those 20% of your top customers, that's part two of the book where you talk about um, the duct tape lead generation machine turning yeah. stickiness into a system that works for you and, and getting it focused on implementing the strategies of part one. Um, yeah, I think that was one of the biggest takeaways I, I got from reading the book recently as well is finding out who you wanna work with uh, or who you don't wanna work with, which is getting yeah. clear on your ideal customer. Um, does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Yeah, completely. And, and uh, what I tried to do is make that very practical because uh, you know I think most people we would agree with that, you know, that sentiment, but then somebody shows up and says, hey, but I'm gonna pay you to do this work, you know, and it's like, well, no, we don't work with you. That for a lot of people is hard, uh, very, very hard. It's, it's hard for me still today to say no to, to engagements that I know we are not going to be a good fit. So I think one of the things I try to do to make it practical is I've worked with a lot of businesses and I get them to rank their customers by profitability. And when they start doing that, it's not just about a sales number. It's not like who's my biggest customer. Um, In a lot of cases, there's certain type of work that we do or products that, that we provide that are just a lot more profitable. And part of that's because we have a unique advantage with them or because the customer has the right problem or they're the right size, you know, business. I mean, all a lot of variables come into play and once we start recognizing what those are and realizing, you know, the cliche 80/20 that 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 most of our profit is coming from the top 20% of our customer base, it starts getting a lot easier to say a, let's go out and find more people like that. <laughs> let's figure out who they are and go find out, find more people like that. Because the problem is, you know, that bottom 20, 30, 40%, whatever it is, not only are they not profitable, they're probably not having a great experience working with you. And that's, you know, that's where your detractors, <laughs> you know, are actually coming from. So, you know, it's really not going to cost you very much, if anything, to, to start saying, no, you know, we don't do business there. And, and it's not just a matter of saying, no, we're not going to take this order, and we're not going to take this business. It's really more about reshaping your messaging, your positioning, you know, how you're communicating. You'll just stop attracting people that that aren't a good fit. Um, when, when I started in our marketing, changing our message to strategy before tactics, you know, that alone uh, turned some people away. It turned away that person that wanted the the idea of the week or the tactic of the week, or do you do you know this social platform because. We communicated that we, we believe marketing is best done if we start by taking the time to develop a, 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 an effective strategy. So it's, it's not just about saying, you know, here's who we do business with, here's who we don't. It's, it's attracting you know, that, that client that you know is ideal.
0: Yeah, and I like how you put it in the book. You talk about finding the uh, IP, IBP, ideal buying persona. Um, yeah. so that that is challenging, but you first need to select that potential group of that possesses that need to to use your product um, is that sort of in a nutshell what you 're talking about there
1: yeah it really is and, and a lot and it comes down to a lot of factors it 's not you know a lot of times people will will just default to i 'm going to go out and see you know what would be the best opportunity for me to attract you know a certain niche or something and that can be you know the right way to think about a persona Uh, but when you start if you're if you're in business and you start figuring out who your most profitable clients are figure out who are the clients that are referring you uh, today who are the clients that you can actually provide the most value for (laughs) the fastest those are some ways for you to really start thinking about narrowing uh to to who you're going to go after because you know, uh, there, there's certain, if you find, if you understand who that client is that you can provide a lot of value for very quickly, that's gonna be a profitable engagement. That's gonna be somebody that's happy, <laughs> that's going to be talking about you and referring you. So, you know, we, I think a lot of times we get caught up in, in trying to say, you know, what, who would be a good fit for me? Well, ask yourself this question, who would you be a good fit for? Because that, you know, in many cases, is the, is the true secret to profitability
0: yeah and i like how you what you said is going to segue into my next question which was uh the only real marketing there is is word of mouth uh word yeah. word of mouth which you talk about a lot and word of mouth comes from the 80 it comes from 20% of your customers not from 80% of your customers and from doing great business and and forming those great relationships with those 20% who would give you the next so you talk about sort of finding your base and uh, and working with that too so yeah that's I got a lot out of that um, as well Um, yeah moving on from duct tape marketing so You answered my question before with, you started the duct tape marketing
1: network. Just expand a little Mm -hmm. bit on what that is and um, what that's all about. So as I started writing about these principles of duct tape marketing, I mean, I started hearing from other marketing consultants and small agencies saying, yeah, that's a frustration we have too. This system that you've put together, the way you're talking about it makes sense. Why don't, you know, can we join? Um, And frankly, it was always kind of my intention to think well yeah how can i how can i you know i don't want to build an agency with hundreds of consultants you know how can i serve thousands of small business owners so it was a great way for me to take this uh what people were seeing as an innovative approach to marketing and being able to to multiply it um and so you know today the duct tape marketing consultant network is about 200 agencies and independent consultants who License our tools, learn our methodology. You know, are able to use things like the marketing hourglass. Uh, but, but frankly, uh, they also collaborate. It's it's really you know a lot of uh, a lot of solopreneurs in this group, and it's it's a great way for them to be a part of an organization of like-minded uh, individuals that that where they can share and collaborate and you know help each other grow their businesses so it, it is on one hand it's a it's a training licensing uh, that turns basically into a membership organization that that people stay in 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 many cases we have people that have been in for the the full 10 years that i've been doing this yeah wow congratulations thank you um Before we jump into
0: the uh, new book, which is called The Ultimate Marketing Engine, you've written uh, quite a number of other books as well after Duct Tape Marketing. Um, What are some of those books uh, that you've written after that?
1: Well, so the... the, the the next book that people would probably know, uh, recognize, uh, if they followed duct tape marketing at all, uh, was, is the referral engine. Um, and that was my second book. And, and, it, you know, it came, uh, it came in a lot of ways out of the fact that, you know, as I was working duct tape marketing, as I was writing duct tape marketing, as I was talking to you know, thousands of small business owners, uh, I kept hearing over and over again that, that, you know, the the majority of their new business was coming by way of referral, or word of mouth. Um, but the follow-up question was like, you know, what are you doing about it? Well, nothing. <laughs> you know, I, I you know I just accidentally get some referrals. Uh, there was a recent Texas Tech survey that that uh, you know validates kind of this idea, and they, and they surveyed 2,000 small business. Um, uh, consumers of small business um, you know had businesses that were small business that they did work with um, and 86 percent of them said that they had a business that they loved so much they would happily refer you know love doing work with them only 29 percent actually did um, and so the the idea behind the referral engine was you know what about creating a systematic approach to making yourself First off, referable, um, and secondly, uh, generating, uh, intentionally generating more referrals. And I go beyond customers in, in the book. Certainly, everybody should be generating uh, referrals from their customers. I mean, they know how brilliant you are. Um, some some, you know, already are referring, so what can you do to actually elevate you know, the, their activity and referral? But I also go very deeply into this idea of creating strategic partner networks. A lot of times there are, are businesses that have your same ideal customer as as a customer, that that could introduce you to hundreds, thousands uh, of uh, you know folks uh, if you have something that they need if you have something of value for their customer base. I built a great deal of, of my following in the early days around reaching out to to you know software companies and uh, companies that I knew had small business owners as their main clients, and offering them uh, content, offering to do. Well Webinars for them, offering them eBooks that they could co-brand and send out to their their entire customer base, and they they needed or wanted that content. Um, and so, uh, by me showing up and saying, "Hey, here's what's in it for you," you know, I was able to build a large following and get a ton of exposure from some very large strategic partners when I was just getting started.
0: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and uh, it's quite smart as well. Go to go to the big ponds where your audience is basically congregating and fishing those ponds instead of just
1: going straight, um, back to the referral thing. Yeah. I want to, I want to, uh, because a lot of times people miss this point. It's not just fishing there. It's being invited to, you know, as a, as an honored guest, you know, to the little secret fishing hole that nobody knows about. I mean, it's, and, and, and the way you do that is not by just saying, Hey, you've got people that I need, you know, introduce me to them, it's you show up first and say, here's something of value that I can give you uh, so that we can establish a a relationship. I'll go a step farther tactic-wise. I started my podcast for that reason. Um, I've now been podcasting since 2005, but I started it initially because it gave me an excuse to reach out to people I wanted to meet and build a relationship with, uh, but, but not not as a way to pick their brain, but as a way to promote their book so they were willing to to come on to my show. So I think that that, that point of view can't be uh, overstated.
0: That could not do, John. I, uh, yeah. I reach out to yourself to help promote your books and through the podcast as well. Um, yeah, right. thank you for in, unpacking that about being invited. One of my favorite sayings is, how can I add value? And if you if you reach sure. out with the, the olive branch, how can I add value? Well, no one's going to say no to adding value. And it's a, right. it's a great introduction. It's a it's a great step forward. Um, one of the notes I got from the book with the, the referrals is, human beings are psychologically wired yeah. to make referrals. W- why? Why is that?
1: Well, I, I, you know, we can go as as deep and crazy as you want in this, but, you know, you think about, like, the dawn of time. I mean, um, if I, you know, needed to know where the water was or, you know, I needed to know where safe passage was, I mean, I was going to have to rely on somebody else, you know, to help me. So I was certainly going to help others as well. So I think that that, you know, we, that's kind of the idea of, of being wired uh, to do it. I think that, that it, it almost is a survival mechanism uh, or certainly Certainly was at one point. But in a lot of ways today, it also provides social capital. I mean, if, if I'm the person who's in the know, if I'm the person that can always, you know, you you call me up if you need a referral, you call me up if you need to know, uh, you know, this thing or that thing. I mean, that a lot of people thrive on that kind of uh, feeling. We also, as humans, you know, if, if a company exceeds our expectations, I mean, how many times have you done this? Where, you know, you go to some place and you're surprised, you're blown away by something they did. Well, we just, we, we now, have the tools, the megaphone, basically, to talk about that and share that, and it kind of makes us look smart. You're right. I mean, we found this great place. We got this great deal. You know, we we you know are are a you know key customer of this certain organization. I think we just like to share those details, and now we we have so many places we can.
0: Yeah, we we uh, I'll give you a prime example of that uh, just the other day we me and my wife and went back to where we got married. Down at Flowerdale Estate in uh, Down in Victoria, um, in Australia, and we had such a great experience. Honestly, we had a three day wedding about six six years ago, and you know we we clicked. The owners clicked. It was it was great. Okay, yeah. and we hadn't been back there for six years, uh, and we thought we'd bring our two small children, uh, my little boy Archer and my baby girl Avery, with my wife and. We rolled up there and the lady was still there preparing another wedding and she ran straight to us. And it was just like yesterday, (laughs) hugs and kisses. You know, we had an amazing four, five hour lunch with the family and that's just a business. But the experience that we got, we were advocators for that business. So for the last six years, we've been telling everyone about that particular uh, estate where to get married. But it was, I was the referral engine for that. And so were so many others as well, just because of the the experience that we had too so yeah um, I just wanted to put in that little uh, mini story through there Uh, but to get back to what you were saying yeah definitely um, makes a a lot of sense Um, with the other books what were the other books before the new book came out as well Jimmy.
1: So um, I I, uh, I wrote a, I actually wrote a version of duct tape marketing called duct tape selling, um, and and really uh, that was targeted people targeted people with the idea that that sales today is a lot more like what marketing should be, and that that's you know even if somebody is a traditional sort of bag carrying salesperson, they need to start thinking more like a marketer. Um, I also wrote a book called The Commitment Engine, which was a little more of a personal dive into to my thinking about you know, your commitment to your business and, and uh, the, you know, the purpose that that business serves. I wrote a somewhat technical book called SEO for Growth uh, which, with uh, um, Phil Singleton, uh, who is an actual SEO uh, provider. Uh, we uh, now have uh, uh, a book or a service that came out of that book was called Podcast Bookers. Uh, and so we I, I feel like booking people on podcasts or people being guests on podcasts is probably one of the greatest SEO plays <laughs> available uh, today. So the, so that book was really kind of a, a, an avenue into that business. Um, and then I took a real uh, detour and wrote a book called The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, which is a, a kind of a three you know, daily uh, read. So every day, 366 days, you get a little bit of uh, mid 19th century U.S. uh, literature (laughs) um, with uh, with me then writing about it and giving you a question, uh, posing a question uh, each day. I I I tell people I, you know, I'd written a bunch of books on marketing and I I just didn't want to write another marketing book. Uh, So I took about a two year uh, process of uh, it was probably the hardest book I've written, but it was also a a really satisfying book. I'm very, very proud of of that book. But it was a very different uh, book for me. And then uh, in 20, 20, I guess it is. Uh, signed a contract um, on March 15th 2020 by the way uh, to, to write the ultimate marketing engine and uh, the reason I say that date is that was basically when the world was starting to shut down or at least the United States was starting to shut down with uh, global pandemic and uh, uh, which which made you know I found myself for about a week thinking what in the heck am I going to write about in this in this book because everything was being so colored by what was going on and one of the things that I saw was that you know many of my customers you uh, uh, we were, were actually thriving um, during this uh, period. And, and the real key sort of element that ran through it is that they had spent a great deal of time being meaningful in the lives of their customers I mean their customers wanted them to stay in business um, and so it, it, it really a lot of what uh, comes into this book or at least the uh, kind of the major innovation in this book is that that idea of you know how do we how do we think differently about our customers how do we think less about uh, transactions and more about uh, the transformation <laughs> that we can uh, create in, the, in their lives and uh, so this book is the ultimate marketing engine is essentially a book about strategy um, uh, but it's uh, as people have told me, it's it's got a pretty healthy workshop kind of tucked inside of it as well. Yeah, uh,
0: it's it's an amazing book, and we'll jump straight into it now as well. Um, the start of the book, you talk about turn the engine. Um, what is the ultimate marketing engine, and uh, what is the ultimate marketing? Sorry, you say the ultimate marketing engine is a successful customer.
1: Right. What do you mean by this? <laughs> so. I first off I wanted to give a very succinct statement you know a lot of books kind of mess around for about three chapters and then you finally figure out what they're about so I wanted to give people uh, really in the it, almost in the, in the introduction um, I think that's like the third sentence in the book um, because that's the total focus of this and I don't think anybody will disagree with that idea that yeah uh, I mean great marketing you know creates successful customers. But I think what a lot of people, I wanted to flip the switch because, you know, a lot of people think great marketing creates a great company. Um, but if if our total focus is on taking our customers from where they are today to where they want to go, um, I think it totally changes the dynamics, not only of our marketing decisions, but but ultimately, Uh, It can become the mission for the business. Uh, It can become the overarching strategy for the products and services that you develop, who you hire, how you train. Uh, So uh, that that's really what I was getting at. Now, I I break the book down into five steps uh, to to accomplish that. Um, And uh, so it, it, you know, hopefully or my my hope at least was to take that statement that that maybe maybe change your point of view about marketing and then make it practical as well.
0: Yeah, they are... Uh... You're an expert in marketing. There's so many books out there and a lot of people get confused, but I think what you've done with this book is really, really good. You've just made it really concise for people to understand yeah. that. You know what? Just follow these simple steps and if you can get a few tips and if you can actually uh, – the biggest thing with knowledge in books, and we'll do a little segue, is it's not information that people need. It's the application <laughs> of the knowledge that no uh, they've just learned and applying that and making that a habit and, and implementing that into their business. Yeah. Have you found that yourself uh, over the years of the journey, John, That uh, it's not the information that's the application of the knowledge
1: no no no, absolutely no question i mean the 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 you know the information as you said i mean probably since we've been talking there have been 10 more marketing books that were (laughs) were released you know so uh, the information is there Um, and in fact in some ways the harder challenge now is to 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 think about what not to consume you know who to whose information to trust um but uh, but you're absolutely right i mean you know, ideas are a dime a dozen, uh, you know, execution is, is really the only way that anything happens. That's right. Yeah. Uh, getting back to the
0: book, uh, one of the things lessons I got from it, you said the school of thought that says the purpose of a business is to be, uh, it's to profitably acquire and retain customers. It's not entirely wrong. It's just limiting and hard to sustain. Um, do you want to touch on that a little bit?
1: Yeah. so, so, A lot of businesses have grown with that exact point of view. But I guess what what I suggest in this book is is the way to truly build momentum is to first off, think about the success of your customers and think about their long term uh, goals and objectives and, and how you can play a role in helping them meet those. And what it does is it allows you to scale with your customers. Uh, so many businesses are built on how can we go out and grow customers. You know, how can we go out, go out and find uh, new customers? And you know, this, the, one of the steps in this book is, is to, you know, I get very serious about this idea of narrowing uh, your your target market to the top 20% of your customers. Because, you know, while I said in duct tape marketing, this idea of narrowing your focus, I'm, I'm very sort of cutthroat and specific in this book about, you know, who you should be focused on. And and the reason for that is that that, that group is probably profitable, uh, probably has the right, you know, uh, exchange of value. What I've discovered is that, that by focusing on that group, some percentage of them would do 10 times the business with you. And, and an even smaller percentage of that group might do 100 times more business with you. And that, to me, is a far, far better way to scale a business than to, to just think about you know how many new customers do we need to acquire this month. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense.
0: and in, um the second, or well, the first step. So that was the introduction of the first step. So we'll jump into it. Where your best customers uh, want to go. Step one. Now, this is a quotes on posters. So shout out on Instagram to quotes on posters. I'm going to get this made into a poster, and, and it's like this: What you say. The seven behaviors of marketing in glass are: no, like, trust, try, buy, repeat, and refer. I think a lot of people get that. Confused and mixed up, and maybe jumbled up, and they try to go for the the buy first before people even know who you are. Um, let's slowly unpack that. So we'll go through no like and trust first. Talk to me, John, about how important it is first to start at the foundational piece, which is no like and uh, trust.
1: Yeah. Well, so. It, it, the idea that you know people do have to come to know you. I mean, that's the first step of any business. They don't know you exist. You know, nothing really happens, right? But but as you just said, most people then you know know is like I run an ad, and uh, then you come buy something from me, right? I mean, so a lot of people really want to skip those steps and. What what I suggest is, and, and if you look at the names of those steps, know, like, trust, try, buy, repeat, and refer, those, those are behaviors that I think we, we actually want to go through with the businesses that we do business with. And so when we come to know about a business, as I said, if we have a problem, we want to know who can solve it. The first thing we're going to do is turn to that business, and, and our first snap decision judgment is going to be: Do I like what I see? Um, you know, does do they seem to you know know what my problem is? Do they seem to work with people like me? I mean, that's just kind of how we process today. Second step now, before we're even going to pick up the phone or invest any time, we're going to see: Do they you know do other people like them? Do other people trust them? Do they seem to work with you know companies that I'm familiar with? Uh, do they, you know, have case studies? I mean, we we have to. We want to develop a level of trust before we take the next step. But the other thing that's important about those is that's where you start building the relationship. You know, a lot of times if somebody just has a problem or a challenge and they see an ad for it, they'll say, okay, sure, I was looking for that today and there you were, you know, I'll click on the ad. And then, you know, they wanna know what's the price? You know, how, you know, how fast can you deliver, right? I mean, there's no relationship that's been built there. But when you intentionally take people through those stages and and teach them, you know, why they should like your business, teach them why they should trust your business, All of a sudden, first off, you're going to repel people (laughs) that aren't a good fit at all. And so you're not gonna be wasting your time with people that aren't a good fit. But also, all of a sudden, you've differentiated your business. You've actually taught somebody how to be an, an ideal customer in a way that is going to make price go way down the list or it's certainly not gonna be the first consideration. In fact, in some ways, uh, if somebody uh, goes on that journey with you and and kind of checks all the boxes, they may be expecting to pay a premium uh, at that point for your products and services. So there's a real intentional purpose for this idea of creating a journey, guiding people through the behaviors that they want to go through, because that's how you attract, you differentiate your business, but you also attract that ideal customer for a lot of people and, and I'll, I know you're going to jump to try buy next uh, so I'll let, I'll not, I'll let no, you do no that no 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 was just going to quickly touch on that
0: these principles aren't just marketing these principles come from the human element of life which is the oldest element of life which is dating and um, yeah, 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 the yeah. opposite sex so let me just go through that really quickly john so you're at a bar or oh, sorry back in the day it, you know you know you know a girl so oh you know her you like her she yeah. trusts you You try, have a bit of a kiss, and then there's a buy. Someone gets sold on something, and then there's a repeat, and then um, it's either going to go to marriage or they're going to refer you to someone else. It's just a joke, by the way.
1: Yeah. Well, I I'm I'm uh, my wife and I have known each other for over 40 years. So, uh, you know, I forget about all those stuff. Which well, she's she's definitely repeated and she's definitely probably yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, that's cool. But no, what I'm saying is these, these principles
0: are evergreen. That's right. So these principles that's right. have been around for since, you know, thousands of years or whenever we were uh, created. But yeah, the no like, trust, and then, yes, yeah, sorry, I jumped in, John. Uh, we can continue with try, buy, repeat, and refer.
1: So you know those first three stages are where you build the relationship. Those second two stages, um, in my mind, are actually where you cement the long-term <laughs> viability. So you know, <clears throat> so many marketing funnels and you know all the all the various terms marketers use kind of stop it by. It's like yeah, got the you know job done right. Um, the 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 metaphor of the hourglass suggests that yes, there's nothing inherently wrong with getting some percentage of people out there to know about you and a smaller percentage to realize they're an ideal. Fit. But to me, the real excitement happens after somebody becomes, certainly while they're becoming, but then certainly after they become a customer. We all know that it's so much easier to sell more to people who already trust us than it is to go out there and earn that trust from somebody else. So... What the the steps of try and buy suggest is that we have to have an intentional thought about how people try our business. Now, everybody's familiar with the 30-day software trial. I mean, that's a a gimmick or a tactic to get somebody to go, oh, okay, I didn't have to risk any money, I got to use it, It seems to work for me, okay, now I'm gonna pay for it. But you better believe, if somebody picks up the phone and calls your business to ask you a question, they are trying you. (laughs) If they fill out a form on your website to request more information, they are trying you. If they agree to a sales presentation, they are trying you. Now, they may not suggest, well, let's have the salesperson come out and try them on for size. But that's what we're doing. And so are we as businesses intentionally making that a great experience? And certainly in the buying, I mean, we love to buy, but we've all been let down. You know, what what's the transaction look like? Is that a great experience? What's the onboarding? What's the orientation? What's the communication after the after the sale? These are all places that we can intentionally create great experiences if we're thinking about them. Um, and, and that's really where, you know, if you want to know the secret to referrals, create a great buying experience. <laughs> because that's where so many people, you know, even if you buy a product and, and then it was delivered satisfactorily or how you agreed. But the experience wasn't very fun. The experience was annoying. You know, you're not going to refer that business. But if the experience of becoming a customer is a great one, you're going to already start talking about the value or, or at least about how they exceeded your expectations. So a lot of people wait you know, for referrals and think, oh, all I have to do is go ask now. Well, you get referrals first and foremost because you're referable. Yeah. Well, I've been in the
0: luxury automotive space for nearly 15 years, and I can tell you that uh, for the best yeah. customers or well, the best experiences, the, the transaction or the price, it's just a facilitation it's really not the the end part most of the stuff has got to do with try and then that trying turns into buying so once the no life trust factor um yeah thank you for expanding that and i want to just move on because i know we're going to run out of time really quickly uh step two you talk about the real problem you solve so the real problem you solve people don't buy products or services because they want them but they because they (laughs) believe that you will solve a problem can you expand on that john
1: well, the the reason I kind of throw cold water on that, you know, nobody wants what we sell. You know, they want their problem solved, is because ninety percent of the businesses out there are talking about them. They're talking about their product. They're talking about their solution, um, and and while the market wants that solution, it's only if they can attach it to the to solving you know the biggest problem that they have. So a far better approach is. Uh, I, I, this is probably best used as an example. An example I have in the in the book is a tree service that we interviewed their customers. You know, we started we looked at their reviews. Uh, we started understanding the real problem that they solved. After we saw six or seven times in their reviews, they show up when they say they will and they clean up the job site you know, meticulously. Nobody said they cut down trees beautifully. <laughs> you know, I mean, heck, they have a truck and a chainsaw, right? So the market believes you can cut down a tree. But what they don't believe is that you'll show up when you say, because they've been let down before, that you'll clean up um, the, the job site, I won't even know that you were there because they've been let down before. So this tree service now promises to show up when they say they will and to clean up the job site before they leave. And in fact, they have a 27-step process of to assure that the job site is cleaned up. They have an on-time guarantee or you get a discount. So, so this core message, this point of differentiation, addresses the problem that their best customers have uh, and makes that the, the strategy for their business. So, What I suggest that you do to try to get at this idea, because if I asked most small business owners, what problem do you solve? They couldn't tell me. Uh, Well, people want insurance, so they buy insurance from us. I don't know know, what problem we solve. So we interview their customers. We look at their five star Google reviews, and I'm I'm just going to tell you that people will reveal uh, because because they're so let down in so many other areas of their lives, they will reveal the problem that you're solving for them. And you want to put that above the fold as a promise on your website. Um, And all that really does, you may sell the exact same thing as your competitors. But what that really does is it it sends the message that we get you. We understand what you're struggling with. Come on in and let us tell you how we solve that problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Funny with the tree story, I actually got a tree cut down a couple of years ago at work and yeah, all we needed was we asking people, does anyone know someone that can chop down a right. tree, clean it right. up and get the job done? And it wasn't a case of Googling, it was just asking people, "Yep, yeah, this guy yeah. can do it, he'll come chop down the tree, not only will we clean it up... Um, but he, yeah, he's great. And it's like, okay, give me his number. It wasn't price. Come yeah. down here. See the tree. Yeah. Get, just get it done. And then just send us a quote. Uh, and it was as simple as that. Uh, John, we're actually running out of time. So this is probably a good segue to talk about where people can find the book. Because True. at the end of the day, they're going to get more, um, more understanding of this if they actually go out there buy the book, you know John now, you like him, you trust him, you've tried him a little bit, now come buy him, (laughs) you've sold uh, probably, nearly probably, I don't know how many books you sold John, but quite a lot, tell people where can the best place to find the book, is it your website, or more Amazon, or in the
1: bookshops? No, I I mean the easiest place, I don't, I I don't, if you come to my website, I'll direct you back to Amazon, or some other bookseller, so anywhere you buy books, uh, all my books are available there, Um, just duct tape marketing, d-u-c-t-t-a-p-e, uh, marketing.com is the best place you can find, uh, you know, my podcast, my newsletter, the free things that we give away. Also, you can learn about the, the, you know, we actually do consulting, strategy consulting with small businesses. We have a network of of independent marketing consultants, as I talked about. So, all the information for those various ways that you could engage or access uh, Duct Tape Marketing uh, can be found at uh, D U C T, T A P E Marketing.com.
0: Awesome, awesome. John, thank you for being a, a fantastic guest on the Best Book Beat podcast. And yeah, wish all the success and all the success you've had already. And um, yeah, thank you for doing what you've done and producing amazing books. And um, yeah, I highly encourage more. You want to go out there, uh, research John, go through his uh, his library of books that he's done. And especially if you're a small business owner, you'll be, um, you'll be glad you did as well. So yeah, thank you again, John. And uh, we'll speak to you soon, okay?
1: All right, thanks, Michael. All
0: right, no worries.